0: and so for me yeah it's about growing becoming you know a bigger business a bigger brand but without having a lot of done for you clients so more on the on the done with you or the DIY side of things so we're planning to create templates we're planning to create things to help people get into automation so that they can kind of take that first step And I felt for a very long time like the cancer had kind of stolen that opportunity to go out and create my own life. And I'd ended up kind of not going out there and instead, yeah, working for my dad in his business and just doing something that I maybe wouldn't have done if it hadn't been for this.
1: Have you ever wondered how successful businesses and thought leaders keep landing those big media opportunities and keep the buzz going around what they're up to It's not just by chance. They're all using the power of storytelling. I'm Nicola J. Rowley, and with over 25 years in the media as both a journalist and PR expert, I'm here to help you unlock the story potential for both you and your brand. Everything starts with a story. This is the Power of Storytelling podcast. Well, hello there, and welcome to this week's episode of The Power of Storytelling. We're going to be talking today all about resilience. And when I was speaking to my guest today about what topics we could talk about, she said, my superpower is resilience. A hundred percent, it really is. So I'm delighted to be joined by Kat Birchmore, who helps business owners like yourselves captivate and convert Ideal clients through automation and funnels. Now, don't worry if you don't understand all of that because I am not the best at tech. So I will be getting Kat to explain that side of things to us, like we're 10 year olds. And she'll be able to do that because that is also one of her superpowers. Kat, it's brilliant to have you on the podcast with us.
0: Thank you. I'm so pleased to be here.
1: Now, your story for me, I think it's it's almost quite shocking, really, because I think when we come to resilience, there aren't that many people that can say that they have been diagnosed with cancer and have had cancer since they were 21. Tell us a little bit about your journey in terms of your health and and where you're at now.
0: So it was back in um, 2006 that I was originally diagnosed with cancer. It was the summer between my second and third year of uni, so kind of the age at which most people are like just figuring out who they are and just starting to you know, explore the world and and kind of think about their future and, and all of that good stuff. And then, yes, I got this devastating news that I had cancer, which was actually in my right ear. And it's something, it's a very, it was a very rare, very slow growing cancer, not something that they were expecting to be there at all. I'd had this pain in my right ear for years. And I can remember it as like a young teenager. like My dad would give me these massive bear hugs and like knock my ear and I'd be like, like cowering away in pain. And the doctors had done so many tests, so many tests. And then, yeah, eventually in 2006, they diagnosed it as adenoid cystic carcinoma, which is, yes, a very rare, very slow-growing cancer, normally found in your salivary glands, and it was in my ear. So it was, a, one, it was already a rare cancer. Two, it was in the ear, which any cancer is rare, but this type of cancer like, is never, you know, not usually found there. Incredibly, incredibly rare. And they think I'd had it for 10 years when they diagnosed it. So they think I'd had done all my you know, GCSEs, A-levels, first couple of years at uni with it, everything. Um, And a lot of people, a lot of the doctors were like, we don't know how you've kind of carried on, like you're in this huge amount of pain, it's not good kind of thing. It was quite a shock, (laughs) to say the least, to get that news, August of 2006. And so I was then referred to different hospitals for surgery and then radiotherapy. I had surgery on my ear in the October and they re- removed a lot of my ear. They basically went right back to the bone. And afterwards they said they wish they had kind of basically removed the whole ear, but I'd asked them not to do that because from an aesthetics point of view, I wanted to keep my ear. Um, so they didn't really get a super clear margin, but they they did kind of get everything there. And then they used the skin behind my ear to recreate a channel in there. And then I had daily radiotherapy from the 1st of November to the end of January, apart from weekends and holidays. Obviously we had Christmas, New Year, so I would have it Christmas Eve instead of Christmas Day and New Year's Eve instead of New Year's Day. So yeah, daily driving 45 minutes to the hospital to have radiotherapy. So that was a fun way to spend what would have been my third year at uni. And yeah, had, had all that happened, it was a real setback. I ended up trying to go back to uni the following year and absolutely hated it. It was like everything had changed and it just wasn't wasn't working. So I, I didn't finish, did not not finish my degree. So I've got only the two years, not the, not the third year, and then ended up going and working for my dad. And I felt for a very long time, like the cancer had kind of stolen that opportunity to go out and create my own life. And I'd ended up kind of not going out there and instead, yeah, working for my dad in his business and just doing something that I maybe wouldn't have done if it hadn't been for this even though originally i took the degree i took partially because i was thinking i might work with my dad so I don't know whether I was blaming the cancer, you know, how how that was, but my mindset was a little bit like that. And so interestingly, while I was working with my dad, I often had my own little side businesses just because I kind of always wanted something that was mine. And for quite a few years, things carried on as normal. I was with my husband, now husband, who I'd met at uni. He stayed with me throughout it all. We ended up getting engaged. We got married in 2011. 2012, I was having regular checkups with my doctors. And in 2012, I'd kind of said, can we do a few more scans? I just want to be safe. Um, and my type of cancer is very well known to spread to lungs liver and brain and they were scanning my brain when they do the head and neck scans to check out the ear but they weren't really scanning anywhere else so they did a chest and liver scan and sadly it lit up like a christmas tree so it was all in my lungs as i said this was in 2012 i remember it well because it was the olympics here Um, and i had to have two very big surgeries on my lungs different hospital different people i was seeing Um, and huge recovery times this time. It felt like it had a much bigger impact on my life than the ear operation and radiotherapy did. Although the radiotherapy had really knackered me out and also with the radiotherapy as a side effect, I ended up losing my hearing in that ear and also it's damaged my balance. So I have some like mobility issues from a balance perspective. But the lungs then, the recovery time was huge. I was in a lot of pain for a very long time. I had to be put forward to pain management teams who ended up doing a procedure to kind of rejig my nerves back into it. and then ever since then sadly every kind of couple of years that the cancer seems to come back a little bit kind of grows a little bit more And and I think a lot of it's because it was it was in my system for such a long time before it was found it's basically like there's always something and it's so slow growing there's always something really small there that just takes a while to grow and then the longer each one of those is there that continues to encourage more to spread and so at the moment. My lungs is the only place that it's been, and I do get scanned in other places quite regularly, Um, but I'm scanned on my lungs every three to six months, and approximately every three years, I have to have a procedure, some form of ablation, which is either radio frequency ablation, which is where they, like, burn or blast the cells like using heat radio frequency or cryo where they freeze it cryo ablation where they freeze it my next one is due in april or may waiting for a date on it at the moment because there's three in my lungs at the moment that they want to treat so yeah and it was about three years ago just after lockdown finished that i had my last one so yeah it is it is about every three years that it's happening
1: and kat just remind me how old are you now 38. 17 years that you are aware of and you think that it could have been another, you know, another 10 as well, that it was potentially in your body. That is a long time. Like a lot of people will know of someone or, you know, a loved one, or it might even be themselves and they might have had cancer, but it's usually in remission and then it's gone not to continue to have to have on going treatment your mindset must be rock solid by now because I think there's a point isn't there have you come to terms with this like are there moments where you still have like kind of I'm in the middle of creating something here or I'm in the middle of doing something incredible with my life and then there's always at the back of your mind there's this extra thing
0: yeah I mean it's definitely had a huge impact there are certain things that we can't do and there are certain medical issues that because of my cancer Uh, Like I can't, get certain things. And it's, it's, it's frustrating, a treatment for other things. And it's definitely held me back. And I do still get those moments where I get really frustrated and quite upset. But I equally am aware that it's something that, in my opinion, I'm going to be with for the rest of my life. I think the frustration for me is because it's such a rare type of cancer, I don't really have that like one contact from a medical perspective who can say to me, like, this is what's going to happen. This is what we're going to do. Like I have multiple teams that I see. And none of those are experts in my type of cancer because it's so rare. Um, there's like one guy in the whole UK who, who is an expert in my type and he's up in Manchester. I've not seen him, I do keep thinking about it, but not something that I've pursued yet because I haven't felt the need to. But I kind of have to say to them, like my understanding, The re- like I've had to advocate for myself quite a lot and do a lot of research myself to really understand that this does tend to be something that people often, once it's spread, if, if, you, if you catch it before it's spread, then sometimes it won't come back. But once it's spread once, it often will keep coming back. That is very common for it to do. And so I think of it very much almost like a chronic illness. Like That's almost how it feels to me because it's not... It's not like a typical cancer. Like my mum had ha- had breast cancer when I was nineteen, so a few. She was literally just about to have her reconstructive surgery when I was diagnosed. So she in two thousand and six. So she had postponed. She postponed her um, reconstructive surgery till I'd had all my procedures and treatments that first time in two thousand and six to have hers, and then you know, she got given a stage, she got given the all clear after five years, she got given all of these things. I've had none of that. I've never been given a stage. I've never been, I will never be given the all clear. It's just not something they can do for me. They keep hoping it won't come back, but it's a hope. I'm perhaps a little bit more realistic and expect it to come back. I think this time, it's funny because I kind of did the math and I was like, oh, it's been three years since my last procedure. I'm probably due one. And I went for my scan in January. And there I was hoping that I wouldn't be told, end of January or early February was hoping that I wouldn't be told that it was there and that I'd need a procedure and, and it was it was there so I got frustrated after that and I had kind of the rest of that week I, w- I was a little bit down and didn't really get as much work done as I wanted to get done on the business and yes i would had all these plans for the business and I had to rethink some of them so it is a bit frustrating but I'm also very open and honest with the team that I have that I do see you know and I say to them this is happening or that's happening can we make things work around my life which we try to do when when we can and if it's you know if it's doable for sure but what
1: i love about you is that you're not allowing this ongoing health condition to define you and instead what you have done through resilience and it absolutely is through resilience and and just digging deep and going no i'm going to do something else you're actually helping business owners to really convert their ideal clients into sales. And you do that through automation and funnels. Now, there are a lot of people, when you say the word funnels, everyone goes, don't understand that. But basically the way to think about it is like if you've got a funnel, if you remember the chemistry sets that you used to like get when you were at school and there was a funnel. And so you've got more leads coming in at the top And then they come through and they go down into the bottom and the bottom part is that's the part that you want because that's sales. How did I do in terms of a 10 year old explanation? Is that pretty much
0: that? Yeah. I mean, the other way I describe it is it's, it's basically your customer journey. So you think about, you know, what happens from when someone first comes into your world to them becoming a customer. And then even after that, either a repeat customer or referring you out. You know, funnels can be parts of that or it can be the whole thing as well, for sure.
1: I've looked at some of your work and it's incredible. What I really like about it is the fact that you are using design elements and really high-end design elements to be able to explain things to people in a really easy to understand way so that they go on that customer journey but they go on that customer journey in a way
0: that feels right for them. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, I love I love combining really good quality design with tech and sales psychology to just create this really great experience for people. And I think it's all about the digital experience nowadays. Like, obviously, there are certain businesses where a lot is still done in person, you know, and, and a lot of our businesses, we still do things in person. But digital is you know here to stay (laughs) it's where a lot of us take a lot of action nowadays it's you know it's a huge part of of every business to be honest and so making sure that that digital experience is as good and as well optimized as it possibly can be is just yeah something that I love to do especially in a way that automates things that means that you as a business owner or somebody who works in a bit you know whatever it might be that who is in charge of this kind of a thing you know you're not spending countless hours doing manual work that you don't need to be doing and I think because of my health, I'm very like in alignment with that kind of anti-hustle Mentality. That's like a big thing for me. So, like, business doesn't have to be super hard. We don't have to be working all the hours and doing all the things. It's about making sure that we're using our time in the best way possible. And that's why I love automation because I believe it allows us to do that. Yeah, a hundred percent. A
1: hundred percent. And actually, like, I'm a big fan of anything that's going to mean that you can work smarter not harder. I'm all for that. Um, And I think some of the best businesses are the ones that have actually, like they've really nailed the automation. So they've got things going on in the background that all kind of link together and everything else. Um, But you didn't go from that position of working in your dad's business and kind of dabbling around with other businesses to where you are today. Like, there must have been something in between that you went on a journey to discover actually this is what I really love and this is what's going to light me up
0: as I go through? There are a few parts to it. So my degree was in spatial design that I was studying and my dad had a luxury bathroom showroom. So I was doing design and sales for luxury bathrooms. And I really love designing like the physical space and thinking about the way that people used the space and the way they moved. And when you're designing bathrooms, like there are certain things that people do a bathroom, obviously. And there are certain like flows that need to happen. And like, so there's, there's rules, but also it's how can we flex those rules and make it a bit fun. And so I was kind of really enjoying getting better and better at that. But equally from a sales perspective, I wanted to get really good at sales and I hadn't really done anything. So I spent a lot of time myself reading books and you know, watching videos and all that kind of good stuff on how I could get better at sales. And that's where the psychology came in because at the same time I was doing a lot of my own, I guess, personal work, which I think does come back to the, to the cancer in kind of like, thinking about things like the law of attraction and mindset and, you know, making sure I could stay positive. I just kind of wanted to make my life the best it could be and not let the cancer define me. And so I spent a lot of time, you know, reading a lot of books from big, well-known, you know, people who help with all all of that kind of a thing, Um, whether it was money mindset, whether it was positive psychology, whether it was the sales psychology from that sales side of things. So I spent a lot of time doing that. And yes, I was dabbling in all of these side businesses and because I wanted that thing that was mine um, and, and tried a bunch of different things and eventually got to the point of web design was the first thing I would say that really lit me up because I felt like it took the design side of things that I had done at uni and that I was doing at my dad's business but to put it online so instead of designing a physical space I was designing a digital space and I was still thinking about the way that people would move through the room and so there was still that psychological aspect but it was also really important to make it look really good from a design perspective as well and I felt like it just kind of married the two and so I spent quite a bit of time I was just as a freelancer doing web design for a little while and then I stumbled on funnels and just in the online world and just became completely obsessed with the whole funnel and automation side of things and the power that it can bring to businesses, the, the difference it can make to businesses, just like the whole side of being able to automate. Sales and leads without having to do so much manually. I'd come from a world where everything was so manual. You know, we were in a physical retail environment. People would walk in the door and you'd talk to them and book appointments. You'd physically go out to their house. Like they'd physically come back in to do appointments. Everything was manual. Like even our booking system, it was me like manually writing it in a diary. Like everything was manual. And this kind of like whole world of digital automation opened up to me and I just became obsessed with it, obsessed with being able to, what can I do to save myself time so that I can make this business work and have my own business on the side? Because I didn't want to be hustling, but technically I had a full-time job and a side hustle or whatever it is, you know, whatever you want to call it on the side. So a lot of the time, you know, it looked like I was super, super busy, but I was like, I can't be this busy person Like for my health, I, I need to find a way for it to work. I think that's where my love of, of automation really, really came from. And just being able to kind of find that way to make it work and really make a difference. And I think for me, I'm such a people person as well. And I just think it makes such a difference. people's businesses and it makes such a difference to their clients the experience they have as well it just kind of ticks so many boxes for me personally um that i just yeah absolutely love it and then it was just before the pandemic my husband and i decided right let's open our business we we kind of put ourselves forward as website first with a bit of funnels and automation but now we're very much funnels and automation with a little bit of websites here and there like we still do that a little bit the main focus is very much on that side of things
1: and my question for you is Have you been able to, I mean, I'm assuming your dad's still running his business. Have you been able to automate his business so that it runs now, Without like all the need to do all of the processes and everything else in person. So
0: sadly, it's not still running. Frustratingly, after COVID, that had a straight after COVID, it did very, very well. But then things didn't do so well. So he ended up closing it. He was close to retirement anyway, or pretty much at retirement. I don't think he ever would have retired otherwise. So (laughs) I think this gave him that opportunity to retire. And he knew that I didn't want to take over the business, that I had my own thing that I wanted to do. And it was good because it meant I could go full time into my business, which is what I'd been wanting to do for a good few years anyway but before he closed it down yes I did I at least automated all the booking side of things so all the appointment booking we automated all of that we didn't get I didn't get round to doing like any of the email marketing side of things but we did do yeah the booking and some of the social media side of things yeah
1: so at least like he was able to see what was possible and actually understand what it is that you now do as well which is so important do you think that you're closer to your dad now as a result of the fact that you have worked together in a business environment, but also that he's allowed you to go off and spread your wings because he could have very much like insisted stay in the business, make the business work. I know you can do this cat and you probably could have turned it around, but actually for you, he could see you, your heart, lay in being able to run your own business and have that entrepreneurial journey of your own.
0: Yeah. And I think it's interesting because we've definitely butted heads over the years. I think, you know, of course that's going to happen when you work with family, right? Yeah, I do think we're definitely close. And I do think that the whole business side of things work. Like we have similar views on certain things. And we also know how to, I don't want to say handle each other, but how to best approach conversations with each other, whether they're difficult conversations or not, and kind of often end up agreeing with each other on a lot of things. And we know each other's strengths, and we weaknesses like we used to work really well in the business together with clients because we had completely differing we have completely differing personalities so you know there were certain things that I was very much you know should have was was the lead on and then there were other things that he would come in and be the lead on and in it the fact that we can kind of still have that a little bit works really really well. And for you
1: where I mean apart from obviously automating everything perfectly behind the scenes so that it like brings in all of the, the leads and everything else that you want. Where do you see your business
0: going to? I love this question. So right now, a lot of what we do is, is very kind of one-to-one done-for-you work. And I really want to do more. I want to be able to help more people. And not everybody is in a position to be able to do that. And I think there's still a lot of people out there who are scared by the tech or just don't feel they're techie people, so don't feel that they can do it. And there's a lot of people who maybe still, you know, you don't know what you don't know, right? Right of course. And so when it comes to things like sales pages and funnels, like they're just not set up in the way that is best done for conversions. And there's just not enough information out there that to kind of help people or a lot of the information that is out there is that super like bro marketing BS, which yes, there was a lot of that around when I first got introduced to funnels. But the whole reason that I kind of like doing things the way I do I do it is because I'm very anti all of that. That whole hustle bro marketing world is just super icky to me. I think it's important to use strategies that work, but also they've got to align with you, your needs, the business goals, your perfect fit client, all of that good stuff. It can't just be, well, somebody else does this, so I should copy them. It just doesn't work like that. So for me, I see the business... I guess going more in that route of being able to have these offers that help more people. We did at one point grow into that agency side of things where we had team members and we took on more clients. But I ended up finding that really challenging. And I felt like I was falling into that hustle trap of like managing people, managing clients. And it just it affected my mental health, it affected my physical health. And I just really didn't like it. And it's just not the route that I want to take the business in. So for me, I want it to be a business that fits around my life and so but also is able to help as many people as we can because as I said that that people element of it is really important to me Um, and also helping people see that automation can still be personalized and there are still certain things that you might do manually but like they're, they're in partnership with the automated side of things and so for me yeah it's about growing becoming you know a bigger business a bigger brand but without having a lot of done for you clients so more on the on the done with you or the DIY side of things. So we're planning to create templates. We're planning to create things to help people get into automation so that they can kind of take that first step. We've got a summit coming up um, soon, and I'd really love to be able to do something in person, uh, maybe next year or the year after if that online summit goes well. I'd love to be able to do something in person to really help businesses with that for sure.
1: And that's the thing, isn't it? I think so often funnels, tech, all of those side of things, it's very easy to kind of go, right, okay, that's someone else's skill set. I'm never going to get my head around it. And you don't have to at all. But I think it's good to have a base knowledge a vague knowledge of how to be able to do things just in case something happens or something goes wrong. And you might not be able to fix everything, but at least you have a vague understanding inkling of how to do stuff
0: yeah you need I think you need to have an understanding also of like the thought process behind why like certain things Work and certain things don't, or even if you don't, someone on the team, your team, kind of does. You know, I've worked with businesses where me, as a consultant and kind of done-for-you service provider, was the only person who knew how most of the tech in their business worked. And this business had employees and things, and I just think, you know, you know, it was great for me. Obviously, I loved working with this company, but I was very conscious that nobody in the team really knew how a lot of it worked apart from me and and i wanted them to understand how it all worked as well even if i was the one still doing it it's kind of just having that understanding of of, of yeah how everything works and how to set things up and you know this is a company who was still taking appointments manually like the 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 assistant the you know the the, the ea was emailing people to make manual appointments instead of sending a calendar link and i just was like we need to set up a booking link at least <laughs> Yeah, just to get it in
1: place, because otherwise you can't maximize what it is you're trying to do. And that is what automations and funnels is all about. It's about systematizing businesses so that you can grow, so you can bring in more money and have more sales. Kat, I've loved chatting to you today. If anyone is listening and thinking, okay, this makes a lot of sense, I think this is something that I could do with cat's eyes across how can they get in touch
0: with you awesome so there's a few different ways um and it depends i'm on all the social media platforms uh one of the ones i'm probably on the most is instagram so i'm just at cat birch which is c-a-t-b-u-r-c-h-m-o-r-e and then our website is orenki um so it's o-r-e-n-k-i creative a rinky
1: creative amazing and if you've been listening to today's episode and you're thinking wow cat has an incredible story and she she really does in terms of kind of resilience in terms of keeping on going of being completely inspirational as a business leader and you also want to share your story don't forget you can take our free quiz, -quiz pr-quiz.com, and it will tell you how ready you are to get started with PR. And you get a personalized report at the end of it to tell you if there are any areas that you might need to have a, a look at. Until next time on the podcast, we'll see you then.